0: You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends.
1: What's up, everybody? This is not Frank Gill. This is your boy, Jeff Simpson, filling in. I'm here with the other three guys. Let's see if I can do it. All the way down in still somewhat humid,
0: Moderately, Southern South weird. Carolina,
1: Delmar Pete. Hello. And uh, down in Florida, which I am almost positive is still somewhat humid this time of year. Uh, Andrew Larson.
2: I had a hoodie on last night. Greetings and salutations.
1: It's the best season of the year, hoodie season. And then uh, not in the same room, but in the same vicinity, Timothy Miller. Hello, hello. It is 72
3: degrees outside, and I'm noticing a new gator frolicking around in the lake outside my and house. And is it like 93 in your pool? <laughs> it's, uh, it's 78 <laughs> in my pool. <laughs> I just I checked the it. water temp.
2: I, I do, but it it's, it's
3: solar-powered, so it can only do so much when
2: it's a little oh, bit chilly. Oh, man. Shorter.
1: I thought it was a sunshine state. Come on, man. It'll get there. I'm thinking mid 80s by by this afternoon. That's
0: not bad. I haven't had the water. heater on for 4 days straight. It is Christmas in South Carolina right now, Phil.
1: Dude, <laughs> I it's actually warmed up this week up here. It was pretty cold last week. Like highs were in the f- like bottom 50s. But uh this week it's in the mid 60s, so uh I am rushing to finish. I'm supposed to be I need to finish painting my fence around the house. And uh when it gets below 50, you really can't paint outside cuz the paint won't like dry properly. So um, but yeah, this week it warmed up. It's in the upper sixties again. So that's nice. Oh, Hey.
2: All oh, right. Hey. Theme song again.
1: Yep. There it is.
2: Uh, last night we had the boys out at Disney and we had left my car at church. So we got back to the church about 10:30, and it was 62 degrees. It was just freezing. That's nice. And so, uh, I got to show off the, the good old seat warmers to my son who had never quite fully understood why we had seat warmers mm. in the car and he gets it now you know it's when it's 62 degrees you got to have a warm tush
1: yeah man my my minivan has seat warmers and there's a function you could turn on for uh like comfort when it's below 40 degrees it will kick those on automatically when you get in the car which is pretty great and it'll kick them on automatically with the remote start so that's pretty nice so when it's like 30 degrees outside 25 degrees outside and you kick that on 10 minutes before you're going and you get in the car not only oh, does it yeah. feel nice because it's warm, but because I'm an old dad now, it feels good on my back. You know what I'm saying?
0: If I, <laughs> I, don't even stretch.
2: It, I don't even stretch when I go to the gym. I just turn on the seat That's right, man. and drive around the blocks a few times. That's how I get the muscles warm.
0: See, I got like an inverted thing of what y'all got going on because I ride a motorcycle everywhere because gas is like up and motorcycles 50 it miles is, in a gallon. So like, thanks, Obama. I, <sighs> I did that. I, I, uh, but I have been having to ride in this 40s and 50 degrees with nothing but like a leather jacket. That's cold. So, but consequently, when I get to where I'm going, my butt is the only thing warm. So it's like a, it's a natural like when everything. Oh you have a
1: seat warmer on your bike?
0: On my bike? Well, you got an engine. I'll tell you, it was so cold the other day. Yeah, you got to take your glove, which is a leather glove, and when you stop at the stoplight, you just put your hand on the engine block and it warms mm. your glove up. It's like a really toasty, toasty warm too. It's nice.
1: Now we just said it's uh, hoodie season. So let me get, ask you guys an important question. Mm. Pullover or zip up. Mm. See, Pull I've always been all the way for me now. See, I've always been a zip up only guy, but this last weekend, yesterday, in fact, we went to this place for lunch and there's an old Navy. No, no, this was at Costco, I guess. Anyway, I found a, uh, a pullover hoodie on sale and I went for it. And I have to say, I might have changed my mind. It's pretty comfortable.
0: You know, I've always but when your been, hands
1: can touch each other inside
3: the pockets. Like that's that's just yeah. such a
1: nice, nice well, feeling. And you see, up here, once it's hoodie season, I really can just leave it on all day. Well, see, that's so that's why I, I like the zip up. I like to be able to pop it on it, and off.
0: You have natural ventilation. See, I've always been there too, until I stumbled upon wreckedretch.com. That is wreckedretch.com and saw their graphic hoodies. <laughs> And they have some really awesome um, John Calvin Christmas ones and ugly Christmas I hope hoodies. Wrecked Wretch is buying lunch right.
2: at the Practically Pastoring conferences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wrecked, I or wrecked,
3: wrecked, wrecked, wrecked I got it. It's
0: Wrecked. I think Wrecked Wretch is um, ordering journals for every single person who come. I've heard that through the Grapevine that there's wow. going to be uh, an, a licensed um, prayer journal. So that's that's kind of cool. But yeah, so that's I've been be getting sweet. more into like more of the graphic tees. Which is harder to do up on a zip up. Now if if you have you Jeff, have you ever had a cool zip up that is also graphic? Like how did that uh, work? I,
1: well, I think I've printed a few actually way back in the day. Frank and I used to uh uh have a printing company and I did all the printing and I did all the other work too. You know, I had to go <laughs> <come here. laughs> <Is he Frank? laughs> just kidding. Uh but um no, it was uh we, we Frank was it.
2: Frank was the eye Andy of the operation. He was, man you know? and you
1: know, when we had big orders, he would come and hang out and help me print. So it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, th- those are hard to print on because that zipper and the seams and, oh, yeah. And you got to pull that squeegee. I still have some leftover, uh, some leftover hoodies. And speaking of uh, temperatures in the month of February, it should be probably in the 60s and low humidity in Tarpon Springs, Florida, which will be where the Practically Pastoring Conference is happening. Am I right or am I right? You, you are 100% correct. There's no really other place you'd rather be probably in the world
3: than… Facts. Right here in the month of February. It's going to be a beautiful thing. And all of your friends will be
1: there, which means so, us. Yep. Practicallypastoringconference.com. If you have pastor in your title at your ministry position, we want you to be there. So, hmm. so open up for everybody who is a pastor or on pastoral staff at a church. And uh, we want to see you there. Tarpon Springs, 21st to the 23rd of 2022. It should be beautiful. Be you there. You might
2: need a hoodie. Maybe you might. in the in the in the evening you, know you, you might, might need, need a
1: hoodie. you might need one of those t-shirt hoodies which are the best. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Sad. It's like a hoodie, but it's made out of like t-shirt material. Those See, are that's for Florida weather, you can that's wear perfect. those all day. Yep, with agreed. shorts and sandals. Worship it's leaders
0: wear those on stage, right? They do,
1: They're, man. With, with remember back in the day when they used to wear those with their deep cut V-necks. That's what. Yep. They all look yeah. like
0: some version of Russell Brand. <laughs> so sexy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Andrew, you are muted, buddy.
2: I was wearing my t shirt hoodie yesterday on the Buzz Lightyear ride, and it was a little bit toasty because it was an inside ride. Mm. And this is going back to the zipper conversation. The thing about the hoodie is, if you can take it off without flashing the children behind you at Disney World, that's a good hoodie. So for me, the zip up hoodie is probably the answer because boy, it was awkward taking off that t shirt hoodie on the Buzz Lightyear ride yesterday. And it was right by the time that we were in the little room where they take your picture. And it just, it wasn't pleasant for anybody. So I'm going to go with zip up hoodie all the yeah. way.
1: I used to be concerned, you know, I mean, you got to keep the hair looking good too. So if you got to pull a pullover, then you kind of mess the hair up and it's not a good thing. But see, the pullover so, is a,
0: it's a gamble because you are going to look really good if you got a good pullover. Like one of them nice, comfortable, like um, oh, they're great. Ka- Kanye West looking style ones. But when you, if you have to take them off, that's when you lost the gamble because the
2: day's over. The yeah, day is over at that point. You're done
0: showing somebody your belly and then if you have hair, right, that's gone. Right? It's messed up. So it is. Well, a gamble. And if you
1: if you took the gamble of I'm just gonna wear like a white undershirt under this pullover hoodie, can you can't it. take that off. Mm-mm. You gotta just you gotta just go, you gotta push through. It's um, like roll when up the you're wearing a,
2: and that's about it.
1: Yeah, it's like when you're wearing a suit at a wedding and the, and you go to the reception and there's a little bit of dancing, you have to go through that whole thing of like, do I take this jacket off and show all the sweat stains and be more comfortable? Mm. Or do I just keep it on? And just push through and go for style and hydrate. I I go for option two. Keep it on. Mm -hmm. Hey, so uh, what was everybody's weekend like? How was you guys yesterday? Yesterday was Sunday. We all did some ministry. How was it?
3: We had a fun weekend. Saturday was men's prayer breakfast. Walked out of men's prayer breakfast and one of our new guys saw a turkey on property and said, Tim, I've got my crossbow. Can I take a shot? I said, go for it, buddy. So he, he busted out his crossbow 60 yards. He hit that thing, but it, it still took off. It, it was really sweet to watch. So you'll probably see quite a few wildlife at the Practically Pasturing Conference. Turkey, one of the many different types of creatures we have. Then on Sunday, we, uh, we welcome 19 new members man, into I saw that. That was our cool, fellowship. Man. I was just stoked. We had them come up to the front of the stage. And wow. there, was, there was legit some, some long-term members shedding a few tears. It was kind of a cool sight. They were just so excited to welcome wow. our, our newbies. It was a lot of fun. You also had a good sports day, right? Had a good sports day. Uh, our, our lowly Jags topped the, the, the mighty Buffalo Bills, which you was, got a job, was man. Quite, quite the feat, so I'll take it.
2: Well, we did not welcome 19 new members, but there's something magical about that uh, fallback attendance that you get the uh, Sunday after everybody's had an extra hour of sleep and it was exciting to look out and uh, see a full room. Always, always a good sign. But Saturday night I was going through my sermon notes and I was thinking like really all week I just kind of wrestled. We've been doing a series on John the Baptist and it was like, man, how is this message going to land? Like how, what application is there of Matthew 14, Mark six, when we're talking about John being beheaded, that's, you know, a, it's a really bummer <laughs> to the end of his story, but as uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks would say, all scripture is equally inspired, but not equally applicable. Um, how do you how do you apply this teaching? And I you know I struggled all week. You know when, whenever I'm in a sermon that I'm having trouble trying to figure out, I try to read some other sermons. And every sermon that I read on the text was just not good. One of them was all of the, the entire sermon was about how evil divorce and remarriages. And I was like, that's an odd, like, so because okay. of Herod and Herodias, the point that you got from, you thought that was the point of this text was that it was about divorce and remarriage. Jeez. And then I'm like this, this might be the worst thing I've ever read. And then another one was about how John was willing to speak out against, um, against sin. Mm-hmm. And so as a church, we should speak out about the LGBTQ movement. I was like, that's what you get from this what? text. Of course. And so really like I, I want to, I don't know the last time I wrestled with a sermon as much as I did mm. uh, getting into this uh, this this Sunday. And so I kind of went to bed praying like, alright God, like my, my prep work's done. I, I think what I have makes sense. And man, I don't know that I've gotten the kind of response from our people uh, than I did after this past Sunday. So it was it was a rewarding and fulfilling Sunday morning for me because it was something that I didn't know how it was going to turn out, and, mm. and so, seemingly it worked out well.
1: Let me get this straight. You read a bunch of other sermons about this text. They all stunk, and then you went out and preached the best sermon on this text that's ever been preached. Is that what well, I'm I hearing? Th- that
2: is that's what I heard. exactly what I'm saying. Can we get saying? a copy of that manuscript because yeah. we, we, we might need to use that. Yep. So, I mean, it, it's, it'll be available in the show notes today. Uh, <laughs> it's a John the Baptist… Prepare lay, the way, lay, week 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 four.
0: Do you mind Andrew if I laid, preach it laid at the the next? The tree. Yeah. Do you, you mind, mind if I preach it at our next big Baptist convention as my own sermon? Ooh, I would really. that. Yes. That's fine. That. Thank you.
2: That's. I'm yes. um, completely fine with that.
0: Actually, just do the whole series, Del.
2: <laughs> sure.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, man, we had a we had a pretty we had a great Sunday. It was. Um, I don't think I had anybody show up an hour early. Uh, I have had that in the last couple of years. A lady showed up during, like, worship practice and thought we, we had, were in we, the... Mis- we
2: had one. Nice. We had one show up early.
1: She, like, walked two in... and it was, and it was a husband wife, and they were brand new. Yeah. <laughs> she walked into the service and, like, was standing in the... During worship team practice an hour early and was just, like, standing there looking around, but, like, still kind of raising her hands, like, I'm supposed to do this, but no one else is here. What's going on? And finally, one of us was like, you're, you're an hour early, and she, you know, we got a kick out of it. But, yeah, we had a few uh, guests the last couple weeks, so... Our numbers are up a little bit. It was pretty encouraging. We started a new series, uh, which was exciting. But probably the coolest thing that happened this last weekend that actually wasn't necessarily church-related was I connected with a guy named Michael Schmidt. Shout-out Shepard Schmidt on uh, Instagram, who uh, moved from Orlando to Baltimore recently, and uh, we had lunch together. So uh, we went to one of the food halls here in town. Grabbed a bite to eat, talked about ministry, talked about the, a little bit about the podcast. But uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. Turns did out you we know him from your Florida days, or no? I did not, but he was doing ministry at the church like next door to where I was, and uh, we have a lot of mutual friends that we found out about. I'm guessing we've been in the same room before, like maybe at some kind of worship event, or I don't know something. But uh, he's doing youth ministry up here uh, in he lives in the city, but he's doing it out in Anne Arundel County, a little bit a little bit away from the city, but still it's pretty cool to make that connection. So, uh, you know, I, I said, Hey man, hopefully I see you in February at the conference. And, uh, you know, he indicated that, you know, he's going to, he's going to really try to get that on the budget line items for next year. So Mm -hmm. I know a lot of you that are senior pastors like me are doing your budget right now. So now's the time get that in there. So yeah, but our weekend was great. Uh,
0: our weekend, you know, Everybody's having a great week. Is it okay just to have like a normal weekend? I think that's fine. Yeah. Like it was was kind of a tough week. Um, Our children's director quit this week. Um, She put in her month's notice. So that kind of put a damper on it. But her dad has had pancreatic cancer and the recovery hasn't been fantastic. And Mm. hey, listen, you got it. Your family got to come first, you know. So it's not like anyone's faulting her. Um, so we had, you know, we had church Sunday, we had to tell all of her volunteers and everybody. Um, but you know, the, the good in it is that more people came out of the woodwork and said, listen, we get it. She has to step away. We'll step up and volunteer. So we have a lot of people willing to step into the fray and volunteer, which is always good when your church has that culture. But for a season, it looks like I'm going to have to learn a lot about kids ministry. So mm. if any of y'all have any any tips, advice, anything, man, hit us up in our Facebook group, uh, Practically Pastoring, because uh, I'm going to have, you know, we're hiring somebody new, but uh, I've never had to plug that hole before and make sure everything's floating. So I'm learning about kids ministry. I know that our main campus will be a good resource there. But and also, I don't know how your churches are, but uh, she's her last day will be the end of November and December is a wide open kids ministry month. You know, with all the different things you got going on. So just getting ready for that. Yep.
3: Guys, I forgot to tell you, we had our ministry team leaders meeting last night. So it was the first awesome. time in three years that we had elders, staff, and key ministry leaders in the same room. So there was, there was roughly 25, 26 of us together.
1: It was such a sweet, sweet time. So I'm really excited. So Tim, let me, and this is just kind of an off-the-cuff question, but would those ministry team leaders somewhat function in the way that you might think of like a deacon functioning deacon yeah we actually yeah. gave them the official title as, okay, as
3: deacons cool. last night so they used to be deacons we removed that title and we brought it back so they are officially deacons yeah
1: that's yeah right. we i was at a church where we had ministry action teams and you know those are it, it was cool it was just basically functionally like what a deacon would do uh so yeah that's really cool i think a yeah. lot of us are starting to see those kind of things start to come back uh start to get back into like a regular rhythm we've got a bunch of all of our events right now are pretty much like just pretty easy uh, game nights. Uh, we're doing a Christmas cookie thing. A lot of things to try and, you know, kind of bring people back together. So didn't you guys do your game night last week? We did. It was fun. We played Baltimore Baltimoreopoly and uh, I, was I won. That's what the number one game was. Well, we, we ended up just playing the one big game of Baltimoreopoly, which is fun. So, like, instead of uh, jail, you have a traffic jam. Instead of like railroads, you have all these like uh, local landmarks. Instead of buying, you know, instead hotels of, and instead stuff. Instead of
2: jail, you just have Baltimore.
1: Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, instead of uh, buying houses and hotels, you bought uh, city blocks and a key to the city to increase rent. So, it was, it was interesting. It was cool. Uh, But, yeah, it was a fun overall weekend because I had lunch with Michael. Then I had the game night. Then we had a good uh, good time at church. And I got to coach my daughter in soccer. So that was fun on Saturday. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. And we're going to come back with some clergy cliff notes. All right, we are back. Clergy Cliff Note is up, and uh, Dell is going to take the lead on this one.
0: Okay, yeah. So one of the things that a book was recommended to me by a fellow named Jordan Floro, some of you may know him, longtime student guy. Now he is a, he's a church planner in New York. But I was talking with him this weekend, and he recommended his book called When Narcissism Comes to Church. Have any of you guys heard of this book? I think so. I, it's on the way to me, and it looks like it's a Gonna be a really, really good book. Because at first I'm like, yeah, let me learn about all these narcissistic preachers. And then I <laughs> all started, those
1: other guys. Sorry. Yeah.
0: And then I start reading about it. I'm <laughs> like, oh, okay. So there's that. You know, because uh chances are we all have land on the official narcissistic spectrum in some way. Um, because one of the things I was listening. So uh, the guy who wrote the book did a lot of podcasts, and I was listening to one. What... Anyways, well, that's like Frank is here. Yeah, Frank is here. Uh, the guy who <laughs> wrote the book did a lot of podcasts, and he was talking about how ultimately um, narcissistic qualities fall within a lot of lead pastors. A lot of lead pastors have these qualities. For example, 90 I didn't know this, like 90% of the human population does not like being in front of people and giving speeches yeah. So by nature pastors are a rare breed. So you're just going to naturally have those things. And and I think real easy it's it's easy for us to think, oh well the other guys. But I found an article that that kind of parallels this book a little bit. Not to take away from the book cuz I think this is probably something that most of us should read. But it was basically five ways to identify like narcissism in pastors. So this could be in us, it could be in people we work with, but let me, I'm just going to read through them and then like, we'll, we'll munch on it and see what comes out. Cause I know I'm particularly convicted. So number one, um their ideas are always the best, which I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's my idea, right? It's your idea. So I'll always the best. Number two, they lack empathy. Uh They don't feel the weight of what they say and how it affects others or how their decisions affect others. Number three, narcissistic pastors in times of conflict, they aren't wrong. Right. So, Hey, I know the way forward. I
1: mean, if your idea is always the best, you can't be wrong.
0: I know. It kind of makes sense if you think about it. Right. Um, But like, sometimes this plays out as like, even in times of conflict, but also it's like, have to be the smartest one in the room, you know? So theologically or philosophically or whatever. Um, Number four, do not have close, many close, intimate friendships, which would make sense because when they push into those personalities, they're repulsed by those personalities. And number five, they tend to defend every decision they ever made. Um, So that being said, you know, as you push into this, Have you ever, would any of you ever feel like, hey, you ever struggled with this? Or have you worked with someone who you're like, definitely, I've I've had to learn how to work through this with another minister and find some success stories there?
1: I mean, I think for me, there's, uh, I can see myself in all five of those. uh, But particularly in a couple, I definitely number one and number three are probably the ones that I am most self aware of. And I would say the only way the only way to deal with this is to kind of go through the difficulty of uh, having somebody, this is where I would recommend a counselor, be able to like kind of hold a mirror up to you and say, hey, this is just kind of the reality of what it is. Mm. So I know for me, I always assume, um, like Andrew, that I can give the best sermon on a particular topic. Um, That's right. (laughs) Just kidding. But I always, I I do tend to assume, I remember having this conversation with a counselor, And finally being honest about it, um, you know, maybe seven, eight years ago and just saying like I was in a multi-staff church and just saying like I could do that guy's job better than him. I could definitely do that guy's job better than him and I could preach better than that guy. So I don't know why, you know, and I was just kind of ranting and he kind of had to say like, hey, man, you you know, you're kind of walking down this road where you think you're the best at everything. Mm. And what's funny is like that that desire can be a good thing that you want to be excellent at everything you do. And of course I couched it in that spiritual language. Well, I just want to be as excellent as possible at everything. But the shadow side of that, I think is this sort of um, this thing where you think like my idea is always going to be the, I just assume that like my idea is the best idea. So once I share my idea, there's no more need to talk about it anymore because like, I already shared the best idea that there could be. So let's move on and then that leads for me that leads into number 3 um well 3 and kind of 5 actually which are really related that like it, i'm it's never me when we have a conflict with somebody it's a, i can so quickly like well they're emotionally immature about this or you know they're if they knew then they would i think a lot of guys who are in second seats in churches or youth pastors in churches who are struggling they tend to do that thing or if there's a conflict between them and a church member. Well, if they really knew what was it, what it was really like to be in ministry like me, then they would see it my way. I know I struggled with that a lot, uh, especially when I disagreed, like with the senior pastor, I really would struggle with that. And then, yeah, it's really hard to look back on a mistake that you've made and call it for what it is and not try to couch it in. Well, you know, if I would have known this or if I could have done that. And so you're kind of defending everything you've ever done. Now I definitely have close intimate friendships um, so, you know, I don't see that one in myself, but, um, but yeah, I can for sure relate to a lot of these. And like you said, though, it's like w- what it takes to be, to be willing to stand up in front of a group of people and talk puts us in a category that's like a small percentage of the, the broad population. And I, I find it really hard to relate to people in my congregation who really are like nervous to even like read a passage of scripture in front of the church. Mm. I just like, and that's the empathy thing. I'm just like, what do you mean? It's not that hard. Just get up and do it, you know? Mm. So, yeah, I can totally relate to a lot of these.
2: I think so often we think that narcissists are these evil people rubbing their hands together. They're like, Wah, ha, ha, Yeah, I've got everybody fooled. But one of the first things that you talked about, Jeff, was self-awareness. And that's, I think that's where all of this begins because most narcissists don't realize that there's narcissists. That they, I'm sorry, most narcissists don't realize that they are narcissists. Yeah, and that's where self awareness is such a huge underappreciated skill in, in life, but especially in ministry, because you know, I t Tim and I were texting today about somebody who's who's in ministry, kind of adjacent to us. And we're like, dude, do do you think he realize how he's perceived? And I believe no. I believe
3: what I said was, Andrew, if I ever start posting things like this, please slap me in the face. Wow.
2: Basically, don't quote yourself on social media. Oh man! If, like, if, literally, if, if, gonna,
3: the entire feed was
1: pictures of him
3: unfollowing with you from,
1: with quotes from him. I'm like, I can't. I Two instant unfollows for me on ministry social media. Mm-hmm. If you give yourself the title apostle or prophet, I'm out. And if you post pictures of yourself with your own quotes, I'm out.
2: Done. Hard pass. But
1: no, I don't no, sharing I, your if, own sermon clips is close but I've done it a few times. So looking at you Frank right now, looking at you Frank, (laughs) that's why you share it.
2: (laughs) That's why you share that from the church's account, not your personal account. Then it is acceptable. Acceptable. Then it's acceptable. You can, and then you can share the church's post that totally cool. But, but just, I I think the, the lack of perception and, and not understanding how other people are seeing you is something that, that pastors have a hard time with, and it probably comes down to the lack of intimate friends. Yeah, I was like, just going to bring that up. Yeah, if you don't have somebody that can be like, "Hey, uh, you kind of come across as a douche," then you you don't know when you do, yeah. which is why I would say don't do ministry alone. That's what Fast. Tim and I have been calling each other out on stupidity for a decade, and uh, boy, is it helpful! It is sometimes really, daily. Yes, yeah, so, some. Uh, I'm getting better, but it is so helpful to, uh, to be self-aware or at least to allow other people the freedom to call you out when you need to be self-aware.
3: Yeah. Jeff, I really appreciate your, your openness on this because I think the danger for us when we see an article like this is to immediately think of all the people that are narcissists and we don't even want to go there when we're looking in a mirror. And I know it was easy for me as, as Dell was going through this. I'm like, yep. Worked with that guy. <laughs> that was one of my elders a few yeah, years ago. Know. You know, and it was just so easy to pinpoint every single one of these on someone else. And then Jeff, you opened it with "Here's what I struggle with." That is such such a difficult thing for us to do because I'm I'm looking at number five and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I do that all the time." Like defending my decisions, even if even if they were terrible and I knew they were complete failures and bombs, I'm still thinking, "Well, here's the reason that didn't work out, or that that wasn't because of me. It's because of some other yeah. you know, circumstance or something." But I think it's so important along the, the self-awareness lines to, to look at a list like this and be able to, to say, yeah, okay, here's here where I struggle. Here's some things that I can work on. Who, who, who in my life is going to be willing to call me out when mm-hmm. some of these things are showing up?
0: No, for sure. And I think I just want to go ahead and put the caveat out there. It's okay to pay somebody to tell you this stuff. What I mean is, you know, going no. to a counselor is not a bad thing. You know, I go once a month. And he has looked me in the eyes before and said, that is the most cynical thing I have ever heard. Where is it coming from? And you know what? I don't have many. I have people who will tell me that, but I need someone who will tell me that regularly. Um, Because oftentimes when it's coming from a coworker, right, when it's coming from a coworker, it could be coming from a genuine place or it could be coming from I work with this guy. Y'all know what I mean. There's layers of. Well, and it's
1: easy for you to just write that off. Like, wow. Yeah. But he doesn't know. But like when a counselor who you trust says it to you, it's different.
0: Right. Exactly. So, I mean, I want to encourage to lean into that relationship. If you have it, I was just talking with someone yesterday and they're like, I'm not good at counselor. I don't want to, that's weakness. And I'm like, I, I, from my experience, it's not weakness. It's it's actually helped me be strong personally. So and especially with this area, because it could be literally narcissism that we have a struggle with. And, you know, sometimes it's weird. I've met humble people. And once they start getting pressed on all different sides, it's like it morphed them into narcissism. Like humble people who who reach this point where they're like fine if no one will believe in me I'll believe in myself and then that just translates really poorly. Um so I think it's re- I think it's good to have more of an objective place where you can get that. Um some of y'all it might be your best friend. Uh for me, I'm like, well, no matter what comes my way, I know um my dude is not going anywhere anytime soon. So.
1: Yeah, I think it's a it's a really important discussion because you know, I I also want to say as much as I would like recommend and suggest people in my congregation go to counseling. I've been myself for, for like long periods at a time. Um, There's also like a tendency in our culture to kind of over demonize a particular, you know, um, diagnosis. Like if you get, if somebody calls you a narcissist, I think in our day and age, in our generation, it carries a different weight because it's a clinical diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, you know, I know this is is kind of a hot button, but it's almost like the way that someone calling you a racist right now is like such a, oh, you're done forever. You know, you can't come back for that. So I want to be careful to say, like, pastors, it's not to say, and even just, you know, just us as people, it's not to say that if you have some tendencies— where you can see and relate to some of these things as narcissistic behaviors. We're not saying that all of us are clinically narcissistic and that we're disqualified from ministry and we should never do it. Obviously, you know the Bible is full of people who you could probably go back and read and say, man, eh, I probably have some narcissistic behaviors there. They're being pretty selfish. They're being pretty arrogant. But I think you know, it's, it, this article that we're talking about is really helpful to take those five things and just do a self-inventory. And again, self-awareness and having somebody who's in close relationship to you who can say, you know, man, you really do have a tendency to always kind of argue for your own agenda or your own idea. You, you almost never want to like include somebody else. And you know what you said, Dell, like viewing help as weakness is kind of ironic Mm -hmm. in Christian ministry when we're (laughs) like following a guy who exalted in weakness, right? It's like, I'm okay with, we should be fine with weakness. That's like, that's kind of our thing. It's like power is made perfect in weakness. So that's kind it's kind of our thing. So like, don't be, don't, don't, it's such an easy thing to like play that stigma game where we got to keep up appearances. And I, I'm not a narcissist all the while doing all the narcissistic things and unable to say like, yeah, i kind of am a narcissist and that's why the gospel
0: is important. Can I ask a question to that? Yeah, go ahead. Like, okay. So, I think most of us can agree the the hardest sin to confront most people on is generally, at least in my experience, the sin of pride, because it's the one that's so like under the radar and it presents itself in like these sometimes fantastical ways, you know? Yeah. And that's also a root of a lot of this particular issue we're talking about. Have any of you guys ever had to confront someone you respect about narcissism slash pride? Like, how did you do it? Was it received well? Is there a time when you should and shouldn't do that? You know, I'm just curious to what you guys would think about that.
1: I mean, I for sure in my current ministry have had this particular conversation, not narcissism, but um, the pride thing. There was a guy uh, in my church who uh, went through a really difficult situation in his marriage and came through the other side. And now, and it's been years ago. Uh, before i even came but now when he talks about it it's all about how he was strong and he pushed through and he had faith and mm. um it you know it, it just i don't think he's aware of how it comes across like it was all him right. that you know because i was because i was strong i was able to make it through and it's like i've had to say like you know that it's coming across and it sounds like just pride like that you don't you're not giving you know, credence to the reality that God had to work in your spirit to to make that work and to to work with your, you know, your spouse as well in order for you to be successful. I mean, this is a miracle. You should be thankful, mm. not filled with self pride that like I made this happen, basically.
0: Yeah, I think the number one thing I've learned when having to confront this issue in someone else is like I have to completely like get before Jesus first and say, okay, God I need to confront this person about pride, which means I really need you to fillet my heart open. Because if you go to someone with with pride in you to call out their pride, that is literally like your your word goes like two inches, you know. So like to me, it's I I don't like calling that out in other people because I know before I do that, God's going to call that out in me, and that's going to leave me a little a little sore because I don't have that issue like myself. Mm.
1: I know that we had a lot more to say, but um, we didn't want to get into a fight because all of our ideas are the best. So yeah. we're going to go ahead and move on, and we're going to come back and have well, the my, main. Mine
2: are oh. really so good, but I'm just too humble to. You know, uh, I, yeah,
1: I love too much. I,
2: I'm I'm almost proud of how humble I am when it comes to sharing. <laughs> when it comes to sharing my great ideas, I appreciate that. Uh, we well, I don't appreciate that because I
1: can't. I can't. I can't empathize with you. So <laughs> it is what it is. All right, when we come back, main discussion. All right, we are back, and the likelihood of that sound popping back in at a random moment is pretty high, so uh, be ready for that. But uh, we thought it would be fun. We've done a book club before, and we thought it would be fun to kind of just talk about, just real quickly as we wrap up, just what's a book that you're reading lately, or maybe a new podcast you're listening to. Uh, and it can be on anything, but I was when I thought about this, I was thinking more along the lines of something that you're learning that you're applying in kind of life and ministry. So For me, we just started a new series on uh, John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Illumination of Hurry. I read it like when it came out, but I just have been rereading it. And man, it's been really, uh, really convicting again to kind of go back through that stuff and think about um, how I can see my life starting to kind of go back up to that low hum of like just constant, constant busyness where we have multiple nights a week with like my daughter's activities, soccer, gymnastics. We've got the holiday, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving stuff at church. Um, And I can just see myself kind of getting sucked back into that life of just staying busy and never like being still. Mm. And uh, I think the thing that I'm learning this second time through, I guess a thought that kind of crystallized in my head as I've been reading and thinking about it is just that I think that our, our culture, our world really has a hard time um, not seeing stillness as like laziness, like the hustle Mm -hmm. culture wants to like if you're still it's because you're lazy i mean i was listening to uh like the joe rogan podcast today and he was talking to a guy who's a bow hunter about how you know you can't take any days off and you've got to go every day and it's like that's like that's like that's not our message but it's it's so funny how as pastors especially um we get sucked into that version of worldliness without really thinking about it like it's just like the air we breathe hustle 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 you know and so Reading this book has just been a good reminder. Like stillness is not necessarily laziness; it's just stillness. So that's what I've been uh, kind of thinking, reading on lately. Uh, If you
3: are, if you have, if you have an email address and you're a pastor uh, and you know about Crossway books, uh, every now and then they send out free resources. Yeah, dude. Or stuff they want to they want to promote and pump and get your feedback. Uh, They they sent me a bunch of copies of Rediscover Church. Yeah. Uh, by Colin Hansen and Jonathan Lehman. So I I started reading it just a couple of weeks ago, and I was probably 15 pages in when I I immediately took the other six copies and passed them out at my elder meeting last week. Mm -hmm. And we actually, for our opening devotional, read the intro of the book. Uh, It was written uh, in this era of COVID church and really speaks to the importance of gathering of the saints, of the local body, and and why it even matters. So it's been... Really encouraging for me to know that I'm not alone. Uh, it's 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 in this almost in the same vein as the podcast that I was just wrapping up a few weeks ago. Uh, you're not crazy, uh, one by the Gospel Coalition, uh, uh, just a podcast for young pastors. It's but the it, one it's with Orland. Vind and yes, yeah, yeah. That they, was it, it's where they just kind of cover some different topics, and you're just thinking, okay, good. I'm not the only pastor in the world who who is feeling this way. Uh, rediscover churches, a lot of that. And it's also great. Mm-hmm. It's a great read with your leadership team as well.
0: I'm in transit between books right now. And the one I'm moving toward, I've ordered, I told you about one of them. The second one I, I got on order is called A Tale of Three Kings. Have y'all heard of this book?
1: Oh, I've read that. Yeah. A long time ago. I, read uh, that, I mean,
0: yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's by Gene Edwards. And it's, you know, if you go on Amazon right now, it's a five star rated book with two thousand and five ratings. Like that's a rare gem, and basically, I th- I think this is probably a book that most Christians in general probably should, would do well to read. It's about the story of you know David, Saul, and Absalom, and basically, it's about when you've received wounds from other believers, and like how how do you how are you to be you know as a pastor, but just as a Christian, you know. One thing about David, even even in the middle of all his flaws, man, how he handled Saul was kind of beautiful at times, wasn't it? I mean, when you Mm. think about the opportunities that he had that he didn't monopolize on because he still respected his leader who, in his eyes, was wounding him or factually was trying to kill him, you know. So um, so it looks like to be a good read. Um, My buddy recommended this book, so I'm taking a look at it.
2: Well, most of my reading time these days has been spent in the uh the Ryan verse, the the Jack Ryan verse. So Jeff have been spending a lot of time in Baltimore, <laughs> mostly in the uh eighties nice. and nineties. And uh it's it's crazy how one Audible credit can get you a fifty five hour long international spy political thriller, or that same audible credit can get you a six hour pastoral leadership book. It's it's crazy how that happens but the the one serious thing that i've read recently i shouldn't say serious because i mean jack ryan is very serious, very serious. but um but why i left why i stayed it's uh, tony campalo and his son bart and it's uh the it's conversations on christianity between an evangelical father and his humanist son hmm. and the more and more we keep having these conversations about deconstruction of faith um, I, you know, Tony Campolo is someone who I really like. It's probably a little bit left of where I am on a lot of things. And yet this, uh, I just thought it was really a good read. And we, we need to be prepared to have conversations about deconstruction, which yeah. stinks. I wish that wasn't the case, but I had one out in my parking lot last week. Somebody here in the community reached out to me. It was a guy I used to be good buddies with and was wanting to use our church's parking lot for something. And, had zero interest in the church, had zero interest in the activities of the church, just whether or not the parking lot was available, and then went on his rant about why he left the church. And, of course, it had nothing to do with theology, nothing to do with faith, had a little bit to do with his behavior, and a lot to do with other Christians. So um, Why I Stayed, Why I Left by the Campalos, it's, it's not an easy read, but it's a worthwhile read.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick that up. That's really interesting to me. All right. Well, uh, we have put another good episode in the books. So hopefully you've got some new ideas of stuff to read and hopefully you have visited practically pastoring com and registered, uh, because you just, you want to be there. We're going to be there. You should be there. It's going to be a lot of cool stuff happening. I'm excited about it. Uh, and you know, I was thinking as we close, um, Totally lost my train of thought. Frank, you're going to have to cut this out because I
0: completely forgot. What I was gonna <laughs> ask you guys. It was something good, man.
1: Oh, well, That's right, all right, Frank, cut time. it out.
0: Watch Frank, not even listen to this and just straight put it on the cast.
1: Hey, Frank here. And yes, I have listened to this entire episode and I'm going to leave Jeff's uh brain fart in here because I think it's funny. Also, thanks guys for basically calling me a
0: narcissist for posting my sermon clips. I'm a campus pastor. I don't get many opportunities to preach. So I post them. Whatever. Hope you guys enjoyed the show you going back to the original recording. He
1: might. And if he does, then that will bring me back in horror to when I recorded a <laughs> sermon for online streaming and did the uh, Facebook premiere where you, you know, you post it as if it's live. And I missed two edits like that in there. And I was just so I was sitting on my couch oh. mortified. I was getting <laughs> text hilarious. messages from people like, hey, is there a glitch in the live stream? Are you OK? Um, and, and I was thinking in my head, I am so glad I didn't say anything inappropriate, like in anger or uh, do anything like that i didn't call out but, one of
0: your deacons
1: <laughs> yeah it was uh, i basically just did you know i was in the middle of a sentence and and stopped and was like oh, i don't like the way i said that and then i started over but it was like fully just in the video and i didn't notice it only happened once on all those sermons online it only happened once so oh my hey it just goes to show you you need an editor and so you know frank is not here he can edit but uh that's gonna be or it for not. us today it's still fun yeah Or not. Yeah. Join the Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, You want to be in those conversations that are happening in the Facebook group. Some really helpful stuff. And uh, until next week, I am Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar
2: Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. And
1: I'm Timothy Miller.
0: Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.